Hey, hey, how are you, mate? Hey, man, I've I've been worse, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. It's good to hear your voice. Everyone thought you were dead. <laughs> uh, some people still do, probably. Oh, man, I think people still do. It's it's. It, I was I was concerned there for a bit because on multiple occasions it was, hey, is that bloke you talk to dead? I'm like, I don't know. And then I I sent you a text. I think I just texted you. I think I was like, oi, you dead? And you just sent me a photo back of your head, like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, think it's thing about me though is like if I die, you know, Dave just gets you know the, the torch gets passed. So next time it'll be C, Sid. So he'll you know he'll be Dave next. Yeah, you know, you know, he'll just keep going. You can't really kill Dave. It's fine. Hey, you like the Stig off Top Gear? <laughs> uh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never ending, mate. You can't get rid of me. Nah, well, but... the idea. <laughs> oh, they tried. They tried. They really did. Oh. How you been, man? I'm good, man. How's everything going over there? Yeah, not bad. I mean, um, get looked after really well, and uh, every day, um, like I'm healing better. I'm walking like better every day as well. So, um, it's going, it's going pretty good. Like it, it's slow, but I'm also seeing um a lot of progress. So it's not like uh, it's not like I'm sitting here and feeling like I'm not getting any better. So it's been good. Yeah. Yeah, I bet that's the worst, man. You're sitting there if you're not having anything getting better. But I'm glad, I'm glad you're having some progress. And look, we're going to go over exactly what happened because so many people messaged me, even before this. People messaged me going, "I think this guy's dead." And then we had yeah. incident where you sent me the photo, and you're like, "Ah." Oh. And then, and then I saw on uh, Track and Artsy Merck page, this guy's dead. Yeah. And I'm like, "That's one of the boys." And then I was like, "Hang on, no, you're not." Like. Um, so I found that funny, man, but, um, yeah, it was a bit off and on there. Can you explain to us, I guess, what actually happened? And for those of you who aren't aware, this is the guy who was, um, let's go and kill these C words. Uh, and you and I've done, I think we, well, we've done two interviews before this. Yeah, two. And <laughs> bloody, can you run us through what happened and what you're dealing with at the moment? Yeah. So, um, so, um, my injury, like it happened, uh, on the, on the, um, during a Kazakh of a Ukrainian soldier. So it'd probably be, it'd probably be better to tell, uh, the story of the operation beforehand. So you have all the, um, I guess the, uh, uh, like what led up to it, it'd probably make a bit more sense. But until, until then, you know, give it a bit of a teaser, I'll sit by a fucking 82 mil mortar, um, during the stretch of carry out. So, um, we'll come, I'll get to that, but until then, yeah, it was, a she was, a, she was a bit of a doozy. Nice. <laughs> so, um, we had, uh, gotten the call, uh, for a mission, uh, into the same, same AO we've been working in for a while. And the Russians were, this was part of their, like, Avdivka push, right? So we were still, um, sort of dealing with that, um, helping like fend off uh these pricks from coming in and trying to take over like this this uh, other village right so uh we infill uh during the night uh going towards the our uh, forward assembly area and we're moving down the road we dismount the humvees and we move into our little bunker um sort of to wait for the all clear to make sure that like we haven't been uh, seed or like seen or like we're not taking like any IDF or anything like that. And we get into, we're moving into the bunker and only a few minutes after 
we uh, enter, uh, we start getting hit by uh, mortars. And these mortars are extremely close and extremely accurate. And I think they hit us for about almost an hour straight. And I'm talking uh, seconds or minutes between rounds landing. And some of these rounds were on the building we were at. Uh, I had an op phone on me with a timer and I, I even got to got to timing like the the time between shots and it was as, as quick as 40 seconds to as long as uh, like two and a half minutes. And that was constant for probably an hour straight. So I'm guessing they heard the Humvees coming. So it was like two or three Humvees and the Russians at that position we were hi like, uh, hiding in for a bit they're only a few hundred meters away. So they would have heard the Humvees and just radioed it in. And then just, they started hitting us with mortars constantly just over and over and over again. And we never, we've never had that for such consistency with IDF coming in, uh, on like one position. So they really didn't want us to be there really, really, really badly. Um, I think we were there for about two hours and after that hour, it sort of subsided, but we like, we just waited and waited because we want to make, we wanted to make sure that, you know, this, these rounds had stopped and they weren't just waiting for us to move. And there was a few hundred, few hundred meters of open ground that we also had to cross to get to uh, the forward line as well. So we did not want to be caught out there under like constant IDF, like at that rate. So we waited for a bit. <laughs> And then uh, once we felt like it was relatively safe enough, we then picked up and moved in two groups. So our objective was to head to the forward line and, and help uh, help the Ukrainians fend off uh, Russian Russian um, Russian assaults onto the objective. Right, and there was already a bunch of Ukrainians there as well, holding the line, uh, and there were a few positions in that uh, village that we were sort of going to like uh, leapfrog to um, until we got to uh, the forward line. So we get to uh, the first position and we're waiting for about uh, 30 or so minutes. We're waiting for the next, next team, the next group to move up to us. Um, and as we got to our forward position, the IDF started picking up again. Um, and the Russians had actually started to begin another assault and we're waiting for the next team to come up, which is sort of chilling in this, in this building for now and machine gun fires being put down the road from like almost a kilometer away. Uh, and for the first time I also heard a, it was either a BMP or a BTR, but it was a 30 mil and that was just roaring over the top, like hitting uh, over the top of the buildings, I assume putting down suppressive fire or hitting targets at distance. And I've never heard a 30 mil before like that. And holy shit, it is loud. Like that, it is insanely loud. That shit was hurting my ears, even though like the rounds were flying like 10, 20 meters overhead. Like that, that was insane. I've never heard that before. And so it was interesting to, to hear that. I'm just glad it wasn't firing at us, us really, like us directly. So the next, yeah, no, it's, it was fucking insane. And the next team eventually gets to us and their, their, their role was to hold where we were. And we were about 200 meters from the forward objective. So the other team, they got to us. 
We're like, okay, sweet. Everyone's here. A Ukrainian guide came in to lead us forward to the objective and he took us and we went. And as we we're walking down this road, we're pretty concealed. Like there's still like, you know, rubble and everything there to help conceal us and cover us and whatnot. But you can just see in the distance, the lights to uh, the city and you can see, uh, but you could also see where the vehicle was firing from and under, under the NVGs. I'm pretty sure we could see um, its little IR light shining. And then every like few minutes, uh, it would be sliding up the area. Thankfully not shooting directly at us, but it was firing overhead. And I believe it was most likely providing suppressive fire for the Russians coming up. And how the Russians were doing it is they were pushing in groups of six to eight down, down their road from the east. And also they were pushing across open ground to the north. So there were at least two, two uh, avenues that the enemy were taking to try and take the objective. Wow. And we got to the forward line. So there's two positions, one 40 meters to the rear, and then the most forward position, 40 meters in front of that. And there's a small trench that connects to it. And previously throughout the day, the Russians had mounted uh, a few assaults onto it. And when we got the go ahead, like the uh, warning order to go uh, into and clear it out, there were on the drone footage, there were Russians both in the trench and also sort of outside of it hiding and sort of, cause they couldn't move. They were stuck between a rock and a hard place. If they couldn't get up and move away cause they were just gotten shot. So they had to sort of stay there and, and sort of wait it out, I guess, to a nightfall. And we got there, we got to that first small position and essentially immediately we got there, sort of assessed the area, tried to see, tried to get our bearings a little bit. Um, and then once we like, PID like the forward objective and then the trench and whatnot. We then pushed into clearing that trench. So in the forward team that I was in, it was, there was four of us, one, two, three, four, I believe. And three of us pushed into the trench to start clearing it. And two of them stayed back at the building to watch uh, further along. And that were these two destroyed vehicles as well that the Russians were also hiding under. So I was third man into the trench. The two boys up front, they both had suppressors. So they started moving through, sort of clearing it. The trench like depth ranged from like knee height to probably chest height, but more so knee height uh, the whole time, which doesn't make you feel very good because the deeper is always the, always the better when uh, copying like IDF and shit. And at this, at this point, mortars were like, mortars were, Mortars were coming in, not not at a heavy weight, um, but they had uh, they had it enough uh, around the area and also the uh, vehicles and machine guns firing too. And the boys started pushing through the trench, and we could hear uh, one of the Russians' radios underneath the vehicle, um, like going off, like the comms were going off. We could hear we could hear the radio. Uh, um, like we could hear the Russians talking on the radio, but we couldn't hear anyone else speaking on the radio. So we sort of stopped, had a look at the vehicle, couldn't see any movement. And we, we, uh, we decided that I would hold the angle on the vehicles and the boys would then push forward in the trench because the trench sort of went forward and left and the trench ran before it turned left. It sort of ran adjacent to the vehicle. So there was a chance that the Russians would be able to see uh, the guys clearing if they, um, once they get like far enough forward into the trench and it wasn't deep enough for them to really hide in. 
So I was just going to hide, like hold there and wait and watch the vehicle. Uh, and if, if some, if I saw movement or saw like any, any Russian light up, I would just then start shooting and, and hopefully cover the boys, uh, quickly enough so they could return fire or, or move out of the killing zone. So I was doing that. I was holding down the angle on the vehicles while the boys were moving forward and clearing the trench. I heard a few suppressed shots. Uh, I think they were just doing, uh, uh, there was a dead Russian in there, but they were just doing a dead check as well on him. Uh, and then they uh, came back um, to me. Uh, we were meant to link up with the Ukrainians in the forward objective, but the entrance had collapsed, so they couldn't get into it or get any uh, voice comms with them. So they pushed back to me, uh, and then we pushed back to the building. So the trench was clear. It was now sort of just the vehicles that we are that we were sort of you know a bit sus on, and as uh, as the boys were clearing forward uh, and I was holding the vehicles, uh, one of our boys from the building starts lighting up uh, the BMP and I see sparks, see sparks kicking off of it. Um, and then he fires a few more shots up behind it. And uh, he apparently saw he had a thermal mounted onto his AK and he could see uh, movement under the BMP. So he shot him. And then after that, his buddy must have been like, fuck this and got up and started walking back. And so we also shot him too. So <laughs> there's two dead dudes now. Uh, and then it could, I could hear the radio going off, but saw no movement, heard nothing. So those two guys were dead. Um, we pushed back to the building. Um, but since our objective was to like, you know, gain communications with the, with the Ukrainians inside the, the Ford objective, me and uh, one other bloke uh, then pushed back through the trench to the objective and essentially just started yelling at the collapse entrance to try and get their attention. And we eventually did. And he said there was an English speaker in like a Ukrainian that spoke English inside the objective. Like, Oh, okay, sweet. Fucking he'll be able to see like hear us and, and know we're friendly. Um, and the code word at the time was friendly. Just, just yell friendly in English. We're like, okay, easy enough. All good. And we get there and, uh, the bloke I'm with starts speaking to him and I'm like, Hey dude, like you speak like real fucking good English. Like where are you from? He's like, Oh, I'm from America. I'm like, Oh, well no wonder you speak fucking good English. You, you're an American here. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? And, uh, he was finding one of the battalions and I'm pretty sure he was at the time, uh, a missing foreigner who I think just made his way into the village and started fighting with the Ukrainians and just stayed there. Wow. So, uh, he got found luckily and he's, you know, alive. And, uh, part of our objective as well was to push into that forward position and help fight, but the entrance was collapsed and we couldn't really get in there. And there was another entrance, but it was, you had to go sort of up and over and that was pretty risky. So we didn't bother doing that, but there was, there was six Ukrainians plus him in there. Anyway, they're all good. They're all still fighting. So we're like, okay, sweet. Me and me and my mate are going to push back to 40 meters to the rear. And we're just going to hold off from there. And he's like, okay, sweet. No dramas. So we get back into that rear building um, and we take up firing positions. Me and one other Aussie, we're uh, on the Eastern side of the building. So we can watch, we're watching down the road. Um, and also a bit to the north as well. And one of the, uh, one of the, um, like we couldn't really see too far, like view uh, observation was pretty obstructed down the road into the north. So uh, if we got told to, hey, fire in this direction, 
uh, over the radio. That means that the Russians were then pushing down the road uh, and we were to essentially lay down suppressing fire in that direction to sort of, you know, incentivize them to not continue going. So with, throughout the night, that would happen a few times. Uh, there was a, there was uh, a couple of times where I saw uh, movement down the road. And when I went to go, because the position I was sort of holding the angle on, it was I was standing on like a single sandbag up against the wall. So it was very, very awkward for me to stand on. And like my, my head was hitting the ceiling too. Um, so I couldn't really get my weapon up there and hold a firing position while also looking that way. So I had my weapon down by my side and I saw a dude. I'm like, oh shoot, oh shoot, there's a fucking cunt right there. And I'll go, I'll lean down to pick up my weapon, come back up and he's fucking gone. And I'm like, you're taking the piss, mate. And I'm there for you for the next half hour watching that same direction like a hawk, just waiting for this dude to pop up again. But I think he, he disappeared behind one of the houses and I think they... um. I think they just maneuvered past the line of sight, so we couldn't see him again. But we could, we could hear them yelling uh, down the east, still probably like fifty or so meters away from us at most at some points. So we were just watching and watching, um, and then uh, one of our guys got the M three twenty and started lobbing forty mil down that uh, road as well, and we didn't really get any resistance after that. Um, then a little bit later, uh, the Russians started pushing across this like this like swamp marsh ish area to the North of the objective and the boys, uh, the Ukrainians in the Ford Ford building, one of them had a laser on their weapon and I could see a laser pointing across the open ground in my, uh, in my night vision. And I have a laser in my gut, my gut as well. So I sort of pointed to match his laser too. And I see this Russian running along this, this wall on the outside of this compound. This is like about 200 meters away and we see him, and the Ukrainians start lining him up, and then I also start shooting at him as well. And then this this blob that I see just moving stops, and then he just doesn't move again at all. So I'm pretty sure the boys, um, our collective gunfire probably just dropped him then and there. But they were doing, they were attacking from those two avenues, the 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 most the past like day and a bit, um, and the Russians we cleared out from that initial area were probably as close as they got because they would get there, but then it would, they would be stuck between two Ukrainian positions. So they're, you know, once they lose that initiative, then they, they just, they have to either withdraw or they have to hunker down and, and pray that they don't get slotted. But you know, the, the ones that did hunker down eventually did die anyway. So <clears throat> that happens. And the assaults kind of stopped for a bit. We're just taking like sporadic mortifier here and there. And, uh, since the Russians started pushing, we heard about their use of gas, like more so like CS gas or tear gas. And what they do with that is they will gas positions and then wait for the Ukrainians to come out of their bunkers in the buildings to get like air. And then they'll just hit them with IDF or dropper drones or suicide drones. A bit harder at night because the drones, you know, suicide drones, you can't, unless they're thermal ones, which they're, highly unlikely to be, aren't going to see. And dropper drones, unless they're thermal ones, they're not going to be dropping any grenades on you. So it was most likely just IDF. But we were chilling in the building for a bit, still like watching our arcs. And we had other Ukrainians in the same building we were in. They are sort of hiding in the bunker. Um, and I think a few of them were injured, but there was one who had uh, injury to the leg. Um, and we had our medic assess him, and it didn't look too bad, but he couldn't really walk properly. Um, so we're thinking, okay, like he's going to need Kazavak. 
And at some point throughout the whole commotion, uh, the Ukrainians up and left and left their buddy there in the bunker. So it was then just him and then us, a bunch of foreigners in the same position. We're like, okay, well, I guess he's our responsibility now. Like we'll have to take him when we go. Yeah. And we're waiting, we're waiting. We're just chilling, watching our arcs. And it's, it's mortar round comes in or artillery round. And after a few seconds, I'm, I get this, this weird smell. I'm like, I'm like, what's that? I'm, what the fuck is that? Like, I, I know that smell. Like I've, I've smelled it before and it clicked. I'm like, Oh boys, I think we've been gassed. <laughs> and we just start getting the slow, the slow feeling of like the, like the CS gas. You start feeling it in your eyes, in your throat, in your nose. And I'm thinking, fuck, here we go. Like this is, this is turned into like a really shitty, shitty night. Like it was going good up until now. They were just like, fuck. Okay. And the effects start getting stronger and stronger. Thankfully they didn't get too bad. Cause like, you know, landing in an open area it disperses quite a bit but uh in saying that it disperses in that area so once you once you start walking you have to you have to clear about at least like 50 meters away for the effects to start um start like waning off and that happened and once that happened we sort of saw that as our ticket to leave and thankfully pretty much at that moment uh our relief came more Ukrainians into the position. So like, okay, fuck, like let's go. So we got the Ukrainian onto a stretcher and we started like fucking off out of here. And it was a few hundred meters to the edge of the village. And then another couple of hundred meters to uh, the Kazakh point. So we started moving back down the road, fucking sucking eggs from this CS gas as we move. Um, and as the effects of the CS gas start wearing off, uh, another round lands in and fucking disperses another lot of CS gas. So we're then copping it again. Uh, so that was very fucking inconvenient, but you know, it could be worse. It could be fucking chlorine or some shit. So can't really complain. Um, and as we're moving along, we, we, we pass the, our, our team to the rear. They tag onto us. They start grabbing that stretcher as well. And this is where it gets a bit hectic. So, um, IDF starts coming down uh, a lot heavier now. Um, when we pass our rear team of drone comes roaring in and the Russian drones will fly real low and the Ukrainian ones will fly a lot higher unless they tell you. And when this one came in low, I'm just like, oh shit, that's, that's not a friendly drone. And the mortar rounds started getting extremely accurate. Like I'm talking, they were landing on the road in front of us about 50 meters behind us about 50 meters. And we, we were just thinking like, fuck, like we have to go, like we have to get out of here. That's, that's bracketing and, be right there. Exactly. Yeah. And we were just thinking like, fuck, we just, we like, we just have to go like, this is getting like really fucked. And throughout our Kazivak through the village, the rounds got real close and we lost, uh, we lost visual of one of our dudes cause he went into, he went back into that position. Our rear team were at to get one of his bags and a mortal round landed at the building. And for a few minutes we lost him. We're like, like, where the fuck is he? Like what the fuck? And I stayed behind. I was second last man and we're calling out to him. And we eventually comes with, with him on the radio and he, he thought we took another direction. So he didn't move. And then we told him, Hey, no, we're just at the fucking road. And I just see him sprinting through the darkness all the way up to us. I'm like, okay, sweet. He's good. Let's fucking keep going. And we get all the way to the edge of the village. Uh, 
thankfully uh, none of us are injured so far and we have to go through this little like narrow pathway until we get to the open ground and we get there and it's pretty much like a home, the home stretch, the Kazabak point. Um, but like, it's just this one road and on either side is just essentially just field with like no cover. And we get probably a hundred meters down the road and we're doing rolling changes on the stretcher as well. So as we're moving, new dudes are coming up, um, grabbing the handle, continuing along. Cause we did not want to stop in that area. And as, um, as one of the boys, I'm on the rear left of the stretcher. And as one of the boys and Aussie, um, goes to swap out with the dude on the, on the front left, a mortar hits about three meters away, uh, almost instantly kills him. Uh, and then, uh, the rest of us just essentially drop as there's at least two of our dudes, uh, do a tour dude screaming. And when the Morty hit, I felt my leg and my arm get hit, but by some miracle, I didn't feel any pain. Thankfully, I guess just where the shrapnel hit, it just didn't, I don't know. I guess it just didn't hit, hit anything that, that caused any pain whatsoever. It was very strange, but, uh, what's even stranger was as soon as the blast hit, it was like my body instantly hadn't slept for three days. And I got this insane, feeling of overwhelming tiredness and exhaustion. And it was, it was, it was so strange. So I dropped to the ground and I'm thinking, fuck, okay, tourniquets. And I put one on my arm first. I, it was already looped. I put it on. I, I, I yank it. I start windlassing it. Um, and I immediately noticed like I do not have the strength to put it on properly, but I put it on as best as I can. And then I moved to my leg, put one on my leg. And at this point, Four of us are seriously wounded. Another two have cop shrapnel. One is dead and one is uh, uh, uninjured at all. Right, And I'm on the ground. I've got my two tourniquets on and I say to my other Aussie man, like, hey, um, we had two other Aussies on that mission. Um, so three of us total. Uh, and I'm like, hey, dude, like, I don't think I've got these tourniquets on right. Can you, could you please like help put another one on? Um, and he was, he was like, yeah, mate, I'll be easy a minute. Cause he was putting his own tourniquets on too. He does that. He comes over, he puts another one on my arm and then I'm okay. Okay, sweet. We then all disperse. We try and get as much distance as possible. We try and find cover, but there's practically nothing. The only like decent bit of cover was this massive crater about 20 meters off to the side of the road. So I go ahead, find that. I called to the boys saying there's cover over here and uh, two of the, two of the really bad wounded get dragged into that, into that sh shell crater. And when they come in, I get out and I just move further away. Cause I didn't want like three of us into like this one little spot right there. And I call over to one of my, like uh, one of my mates. Um, I sort of lay down next to him and I go, man, this is fucking shit. <laughs> I just sort of lay there for like a few seconds, just uh, like, just, there's nothing I could really do, but lay there. Um, I get the attention of one of my other mates when he's done helping with the other casualties. And I said, Hey, can you, can you put another tourniquet on my leg, please? I don't think this one's on properly. So he comes over, he puts one on my leg. Um, so I've, I've now got four tourniquets on me to, uh, two on my left arm, two on my left leg. And at this point, all we can do now is just wait for the Humvees to come get us. And we were very lucky that we got injured where we did, because if we had been injured in the village, we would be waiting far longer for Kazivak and the vehicles could not get there. So we would have to wait for either 
more of our dudes to deploy out there to help us or Ukrainians to help get us out. So we were very fortunate that we got injured in that spot because the Humvees eventually did come right up to us. And then my ass got dragged. Um, my ass was last to get dragged onto the Humvee and then we fucked off. But we, as we were waiting there, we were probably only there for about 12, 15 minutes or so. Um, but only a few once I had gotten all my tourniquets on and we crawled and dispersed, we were just sort of chilling there. A few more mortars came in, but not too close. But what really, um, what really fucked with us was a drone came in and this one was a Russian one. And the moment it came in, I, I thought immediately that thing's got a fucking grenade. That's probably going to drop a grenade on us. And I could hear it. And I remember I was on my knees and I was like looking up at the sky and I'm like, I I can't fucking move. Like I don't have the energy or the ability to dive out of the way. If, if I hear something get dropped next to me. Um, and I'm just thinking, fuck, like if it drops, like if it drops it on me, I'm fucked. Like there's nothing I can do. And, um, but at the time I was thinking this has got to be a thermal drone because this drone was guiding mortars onto us. And it's now come back in the middle of the night. It has to be a thermal drone. So it's going to be, it's going to have the capability to see us like as plain as day. And it would have, he would have seen our two dudes in the crater right there. And those are two prime targets to drop a grenade on. So I believe the drone was hovering slightly over them, but at least three of our boys picked up their weapons and started shooting at the drone. And it must've spooked the drone slightly because the drone immediately like backed off. It dropped its grenade and it, it, it missed the, missed the crater by about like 10 or so meters. So after that, the drone backed off. I could hear it in the distance slightly, um, but that was probably now just feeling an observation role. And then we were just sort of like thinking like, fuck, like we're probably going to get hit by mortars again very soon. But um, to my surprise, uh, not from memory, not really any mortars came in again. When the Humvees got here, I was thinking, fuck, they're about to bring like, about to rain this area down with mortars. But the Humvees game, the Humvees turned around and not once, I don't think, any more mortars came in uh, while we were getting loaded onto the Humvees. And uh, we all got loaded onto the Humvees, thankfully. We started getting the fuck out of there. Um, we eventually got to the CCP where we offloaded from the Humvees and into an ambulance. They cut all my gear off me, um, I think except for my belt. They cut my shirt, my pants, my boots, my plate carrier. The only thing that's left intact, I think, is my belt and my helmet, and that, that's it. And um, they loaded me onto the Humvee, and then we got to the roll one where we started all getting treated. Uh, um, I remember like, this, I remember looking down at my arm um, and the doctor pointed to my arm that it was still bleeding. So we yanked the tourniquet about another four times and that was when I fucking started to hurt. That's when I started screaming, like thinking, holy fucking shit, this fucking hurts. And all up until that point, like the only pain I felt was from the tourniquets around my leg and my arm. Like that was, it was, it was like this, it started off as this dull ache. And then over time, like the tourniquet, the pain got worse and worse and worse. I never felt my injury from the shrapnel the whole time, um, which is a good thing. Um, but those tourniquets, man, it, it's true when you go through like your medic courses when they say the tourniquets hurt the most because fuck me, they are not lying. They fucking sucks. And your body is just a natural reaction. You want to loosen the tourniquet. And if, even, like, even if it means you're going to die, your just, body just wants to loosen it up because it hurts that much. So um, 
you have to be it's a real big consideration when uh especially in prolonged care as well like tourniquet treatment like uh tourniquet conversions as well is very important in the field because you have like there's dudes who have had tourniquets on for 80 hours and lost their leg or limb because they just haven't like had the right training or been able to help mitigate the risk of losing their leg because in ukraine it's like i think it's like if it's if you had a tourniquet for over two hours then they pretty much consider taking your limb but like you know, in australia all the training we did there would say like any like six or seven hours and you'll you they can still save your limb so it's a very it's a very very big difference and like a big shock to be trained in that my whole career and then come here it's be like yeah two hours and we're probably going to take your limb so that's why that additional training of like tourniquet conversions and management for injuries because you know every injury is going to need a tourniquet but you obviously put one on anyway in case so having medics there or people with the knowledge and the ability to assess whether you do need a tourniquet or not in the field is very very important for limb preservation but luckily we got to the roll one um i think i either passed out or i was sedated uh, i think i passed out a few times in the ambulance um but that was probably because of my extreme exhaustion and extreme tiredness not i don't think it was from blood loss i don't think i lost that much blood i don't think i was very close to death um but uh i mean i wouldn't know anyway i've never had that feeling before um but you got to the roll one and then i remember waking up after and i saw my leg was bandaged and my arm was bandaged and i had no tourniquet so i'm like okay sweet i have my limb my leg and my arm still and then i remember just going to sleep again <laughs> so from there i wake up in the next hospital the next city over um my legs all bandaged up and shit and um it wasn't until i went to the next hospital that i saw my leg for the first time and i had four massive fasci fasciotomies done um two in my thigh two in my lower leg and apparently what actually is the that uh, hey what what actually is that um the term you use the medical term the fasci fasciotomy yeah so um they're essentially just big cuts they cut through the skin right. um to allow for the muscle to swell my muscle had begun swelling um really badly so they had to cut into my leg to allow for it to swell so it wouldn't um, restrict blood flow or like um it's they essentially saved my leg they stopped my leg for me from losing my leg um at the cost of you know having to do four massive incisions along it so um i'm very very happy that's that's what they did instead of just taking my leg um so i'm fucking i'm very grateful for that um but yeah like seeing that was just like a holy shit like i've never seen the inside of my leg or anything like that before so it was insane just to see that and um experience that in my hand i took shrapnel to the face it fractured my sinus and then um my hand also copped one bit of shrapnel through it which uh severed or damaged uh and the ulnar nerve, which is the nerve that runs on like the the outside of your palm, so my grip strength and my uh, two, my pinky finger and my ring finger and my left hand are both like I can't move them very well. Um, but the feeling is slowly coming back. They've repaired the nerve now. I'm just in the, like the recovery stage. But um, like overall, I think I got really really lucky uh, with my injuries because I'm already walking again. Um, unassisted um i can jog even though it's a pretty crude jog i can do it there's no pain 
the only thing with my leg is that I've got a skin graft on my, uh, the left side of my calf because the, I had a wound vacuum on for quite a long time and the skin, um, healed, uh, sort of, you know, took time to, when it healed, it healed a bit apart and they tried to bring it together when they stitched me up, but they just couldn't uh, quite do it. So they took some skin from my, my right thigh and put it on my leg and it's, it's healed really, really well now, but my skin is very tight and my calf muscles are very tight. So I have a lot of, my issue is mobility in my ankle. I can't angle it upwards like my, my good ankle. So, but it, it, it's, it's, it's loosening up like each day I'm pretty much walking better and better. Like it was only a few days before I went from walking with a cane to walking without one. So, um, yeah, man, like, uh, hectic, a fucking hectic night going from getting gas to getting hit with a mortar, like is, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy stuff, bro. And it was, it's just such a weird feeling to, to think about, you know, you have, I have all my, you know, you have all the, all the training in the, I went through in the army about like self-aid, like applying tourniquets and everything. It's just such a surreal experience doing it for real. Like, Oh shit, I'm fucking hit. I've got to put a tourniquet on. Yeah. It's just fucking insane, man. It's, it's crazy stuff, dude. It's stuff, but like I'm alive thanks to my mates and, and you know, my training and everything, dude. Um, unfortunately that Ukrainian we had, we were stretcher carrying. He must've copped some shrapnel from the mortar blast because he eventually died in the hospital. Um, our, my mate said he saw him, uh, saw him pass away, which, which sucks. But I mean, like we tried, we, we, we tried getting him out of there and, you know, I, to me, that's, that's, that's what matters is we, we tried our best, but it was a fuck. It was an, an insane night, man. An insane night. It, it sucks that we lost, uh, lost one of our guys and, and an Aussie at that. Um, you probably would have seen on the news, Jepson, Matthew Jepson. He was the one with us. Um, so yeah, it was a, unfortunately we lost one, but, uh, yeah, the, the injuries from the other four seriously wounded, uh, one of them lost an eye, um, his left eye, but he wants to you know keep fighting when he's, when he's healed as well. So he's a fucking, he's a hard charger. Um, the other, uh, who was next to me on the stretcher, he essentially his nerve and his left leg was fucking like severed. So he's, uh, got a bit of recovery because nerves take a long time to heal. They heal, but it's just a very slow process. So he's, uh, he'll get back eventually. It'll just take a bit longer. Um, and then the other one, he took a fuck ton of shrapnel to his torso, uh, as his hand and his leg too. But he's, he not long ago, he got up and stood up for the first time. So he's already going a lot better with that and his hand, he's going to have to, I think he, he'll probably lose his pinky finger and his ring finger on his left hand. Um, because they're just borderline useless. His pinky's useless. They're going to do an assessment on his ring finger, but they will probably take that. But he's still happy to fight. He'll fight with three fingers on his left hand. As long as he can hold a rifle, he doesn't care. <laughs> so so he's, he's a hard motherfucker right there. But yeah, man, like it's fucking wild, dude. Like, holy shit. God damn. So yeah, that was, that was, I got hit uh, with a mortar. Right. Well, I think I speak for everyone listening that, you know, we're bloody glad you're okay. Um, that, you know, what could have happened in that scenario. Um, yeah, I know you lost a couple of guys, but what could have happened, um, you know, this, it came out pretty well, but individually, man, yeah. I, I know when you were telling me when I saw some sh stuff come through and I'm like, what the, and then you're to start feeding me photos, just signals, yeah. me photos of your bloody legs cut open and this and that. And I'm like, 
are you in the ambulance sending me these photos? Like, what the fuck, like, man, like, are you, are you, I think I'm just, like, do you need me to like, come and help? Like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> on to, no. um, my wounds were left open for quite a bit. Yeah. Um, they would just replace the bandages every day. And then, and eventually when I moved to like the hospital to in, in Kiev, I think it was, is when I had, when they eventually stitched me up and closed my wounds. But, um, yeah, like fuck just, just every day, like seeing my leg open from, uh, those, those, uh, fasciotomies, I'm like, damn dude. And, and I was like, Oh, I, I'm going to take a photo of these. Let me take a photo. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> man. Uh, but yeah, man, it's so weird. It's so strange, bro. It's so surreal. It is. All that was going to be my next question was how does it feel looking back at that night? Does anything like haunt you on that? Does do you have any, we should have done this different, should have done that. Or is it just, that shit um, the only the only thing I wish we did differently is I wish we waited in the village. I wish we, once I saw the drone, I wish we pushed into a building and just waited it out because there were positions we could have take, taken cover in and could have waited and it, it would have made the sense, most sense to do that. But at the time we just were like, we have to get out of here. So I wish that's the, the that's the decision like I made and like we made, but yeah, we, it, the, you know, we did what we did. So yeah. And you know, it all happens. So, but like, I don't, I don't like the whole experience doesn't haunt me. I think, I think I've personally handled it really well. Like I've, I, I, I accepted what happened. Like after the first day I woke up, um, I had, I had a couple of like small breakdowns, uh, in the hospital just because like I couldn't move, I couldn't do anything. Like everything hurt and that sucked. Um, but after that, like it's, I've been fine, man. Like I think, I know I'll make a really good recovery and I'll be back to running and gunning eventually anyway. So I'm, I'm pretty happy. Um, but I think about that night a lot and like just what was just how my body felt and just what the fuck was happening. And I know like it was, uh, it's just a fucking insane experience. And I don't, uh, like I haven't had, haven't had any like dreams about it. I haven't like freaked out about it. I just think I've handled it really, really well. Um, and I'm really happy this is how I've, I've, uh, I've accepted and dealt with it all. So no, nah, like, I think, I think mentally I'm fucking great. I'm just chilling, man. Like just recovering and I'll, I'll be back in the fight, um, back in the fight, um, sooner rather than later, to be honest. And is that what you, you're planning? You plan to head back into Ukraine and fight once you get back to health? Yeah. So I'll, uh, once I'm out of like the, the sort of hospital stage, I'll do my rehabilitation. And then once I've done that, um, I'll come visit home for a bit. And then, uh, then I'll come back to Ukraine and I'll, because I've done my rehab, I'll be, you know, at a stage where I can essentially fight again. So when I come back to Ukraine, I can just go back to the unit straight away and be like, yo, when's the next, when's the next mission guys? <laughs> Jesus, man, you're a fucking warrior. I tell you. <laughs> warrior or a, or a silly goose i don't know which one there's a very fine line between there's a very fine line or bravery and stupidity as well yeah i can't see which one's which to be honest uh, i think i think australians more sit on the stupidity side a lot of the time <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fine by me you know, like defend for yourselves boys <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah man i'm just happy to still fucking be here and uh ha have my limb like have all my shit so like it's good i am like a piece of 
I didn't know this at the time, but um, a piece of shrapnel hit my inner thigh on my right leg and got uncomfortably close to to my uh to my bits. I'll tell you that. So I'm I'm fucking glad I have those still. You're, you're, you're like, lucky it's mate. You're, you're lucky it's a hard target for the Russians to hit. <laughs> mate, one's like one there's one bit of shrapnel just in like the the crook of like my my um my like pelvis in in the groin there so like fuck me we already we already had one dude lose a nut a few months ago so i don't want to i don't want to have another one that, that happen again ah uh, no you need them battle undies on or whatever you used to bloody call them i had the um my mate gave me a pair of um bomb jocks but they were like the the black bike shorts with that gel in them yeah yeah, yeah. and i think I was pretty sure that gel was meant to be frag resistant to like some capacity, but pretty sure the frag went right through that. So I'm going to try and get a pair of like Kevlar jocks or something when I come home next. Yeah. Fuck it. For people who don't actually know, we're not speaking shit. There's actually something we wore overseas were issued called, we called them bomb jocks, but they were like underpants you'd put on that had a lining in them that would protect you from uh, shrapnel. No one wore them. <laughs> like like yeah. an uncomfortable everyone's like dude i'd rather lose my shit um yeah. but um in a situation like that where there's a huge risk of mine um mine and shrapnel yeah it's, it you might might want to start bloody wearing them yeah and the the, uh, the good like in back in like afghan like you're going on fucking out like patrols for hours and and it's got it's, got, and it's hot as shit and of course it's going to be like fucked wearing those things but over here like we are we don't have to put up with like, you know, that sort of um, environment as much and like emissions don't you know run for very long as well. So um, I, I will, I will gladly be slightly uncomfortable if it means I'm not going to cop fucking frag to my, my junk or anything like that. Yeah, fucking, yeah. That that's bloody fair enough, mate. We still need you to bloody, we need you to have some little attackers running around at some point. <laughs> my mate, my dad law is going to be sick. I'll tell you that. Hell yeah. You had that, that combat daddy, mate. <laughs> you scars down your down your bloody legs. Oh, dude! I'll tell you, my my skin graft. I don't know if I've shown you a photo of it, like since it's healed. But I mean, it, it's not pretty, bro. I think it's gonna scare the kids, like scare any kids, and be like, oh, what, mum? What the fuck is that? And like, Jesus Christ! This is ugly. Is ugly as hell. Bloody hell, mate! That mixed with your fucking head, you might not bloody. You might not have any luck when what? you come back home. I might as well just fucking stay here, honestly. Fuck no. <laughs> uh, well, how's your, how's your, feel, your family feel about, like, what has happened to you? Like, I know this is a realistic thing, but it becomes very real when, when it actually happens to you. Yeah. Um, so I had my um, my brother, he's a real one. He, uh, he told my parents, because um, I was in hospital, and I was like, I just didn't have, like, a, I don't love the energy to like answer like a million questions or something. So my brother thankfully um, told my parents and um, of course they were like, holy shit, but they're just happy I'm alive and um, I'm doing well. And I've like, I've got all my, all my, all my parts and everything. So um, they're worried, but they're happy I'm, I'm recovering and doing well. So um, yeah, they're, they're, just, they're just glad I'm alive. <laughs> oh, we all are, mate. We all are. Yeah. Putting out spot fires for people thinking that you were dead. Bloody craziness. Yeah. When you message me saying, are you alive? I'm like, yeah, man. I did. <laughs> but that was that was like two weeks prior to this incident. You get like, are you, it's like, are you alive? And you're like, yeah. You just like a shitty like front camera photo of just like your eyebrow. <laughs> you're like, yeah. I got it, and I didn't instantly recognize it was you of the photo. I'm like, is this some like Russian dude? Like, have they cap got your phone? I'm like, oh, 
fuck? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, no, there's this. And then, like, two weeks later, my phone blows up. Like, I think Dave's dead, blah, blah, blah. And this is from dudes in the service, guys out. This is from um, Telegram groups. I'm like, oh, shit. Next thing, before I even message you, I'm just getting photos of you. Like, look at this fucking thing. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to speak because people are like, Hey man, like, I hope you're okay. Your buddy's dead. And I'm like, no, he's not like, like we're, he's going to podcast. I was like, this is great podcast content. Like <laughs> I need to cash in on your fucking injury. No, it's, um, oh, mate, I'm go for it, bro. <laughs> oh, fuck man. No, it's, it's, oh, it's a hectic fucking time, mate, but I'm glad we can talk shit and laugh about it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to you getting back over to bloody down under so we can have a bloody beer and do one of these properly oh, same man i'll be like it's 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 a good feeling knowing i'll be home before like, i fight again at least so there's like no you know fucking um yeah you know, no major chance of me getting wounded or killed um before i come home so yeah i'll definitely be home before i fight again um so yeah i'm pretty happy about that well let us know if you needed the man because i'm i'm sure between me and me and our audience we'll be able to get you whatever you need together whether it's bomb jocks or bloody anything but Mate, uh, yeah if bomb, on, right, honestly bomb like right now bomb jocks is like my on the priority list for like making sure i have that before i leave australia yeah yeah uh bloody bloody oath mate that's it's one of those big ones um that you don't even think about these these all these little things man coming to that like that this war's teaching us about shit of like okay we need this we need that we don't need this other stuff um and i know i'm preaching to the choir here but it's just interesting to see how this has evolved yeah like it's with with injuries as well right like when we um when our unit started taking casualties like i don't it, it's a no it's a no-brainer but you just it's just something that you just you just don't sometimes don't even think about is when like when you're injured like when you whether it's shrapnel or like a gunshot wound or something it's like because like we you know our lives revolve around like a lot of media and like video games and movies and stuff like that and you know a lot of people see oh someone someone gets shot oh they dig the ball out of them like that's you know they're good to go like whatever but nah man you take a hot piece of metal through you're going to get nerves like severed or damaged you're going to have muscle that like muscle doesn't heal 100 percent ever again um when you're when it gets damaged as well so like you never you never think about these things like i took a little bit of shrapnel through my palm and now i can't use my hand properly for the next few months like it's you never think about these things until you have mates who have gone through it or you yourself go through it as well so it's it's just like it's just it was it was a shock but at the same time it's like well no shit like this is what happens but it's just something you don't you're just not free to thinking about even like really in the when i was in the army like i never really I don't, it never really crossed my mind like to consider it to uh, consider it that much when somebody's injured when it comes to like penetrating wounds like fucking shrapnel gunshots or anything really so it's just it's just but experiencing it now it's just like damn dude like a, a little bit of metal can fuck up your day immensely yeah oh you're, you're down and out aren't you like as soon as you said in a movie and you're like up like you see someone get shot in the shoulder and they do it and you're like that bullet has not only created a cavitation in any soft parts, but then it's shattered bone. And then that bone has acted as fragment itself. And mm -hmm. a shock wave it sends through your body. People don't understand that the the bullet the best way is to look at a bullet hit like ballistics gel. And you see the yeah. cavitation that it makes. And then you see the shock wave passer and you're like, you're a big lump of jello other than your bone. 
all your organs, everything, take that, take that shockwave. Um, it, it's, it's not like a movie. You're not getting up from that. You know, it's, it's not back in the fight, Tom Cruise, you know, yeah, yeah. it's, it's incredibly traumatic, you, uh, traumatic to the body. And you're going to have to careful in a bloody MRI machine, mate. I don't know if you know Jamo, um, one of the boys, uh, he won't mind me saying this back in the day, he, he got blown up in Afghan and he was mm. only recently in a bloody MRI machine. Um, ended up having to hit the button because like something's killing me in my fucking knee, and it was a bit of shrapnel like working its way to the surface. It didn't even know. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. That's rough. I, I know I've got like like upwards of twenty something little bits of shrapnel, or like um, yeah, it might even be like little bits of like bitumen or rocks or something still in my leg as well. Shit. So like I'm gonna be beeping through those airport security screens. I tell you that. Oh man. And it's funny what happens to your body. I've, I've another mate, um, you and I are probably mutual friends with him. He got blown up, uh, by a mortar on a quad bike. Um, and he, he reckons he instantly, by the time he hit the ground, was literally blown up like the Michelin man, like just swelling everywhere and the swelling yeah, right. couldn't move. And, and he said he got blown, like his M4 got blown away from him and he had his sidearm and he could barely get, because it was, in you know, a like a, at a full attack and he could barely get to it. And he's like, I didn't even know this could happen. He's like, I was yeah. pretty much fine, but my whole body just swelled from the shockwave that passed through me. And he's like, and I couldn't move. Um, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not like the movies, is it? Like when, when I, when I saw the, the big cuts of my leg, I thought the mortar had done that. I was like, Holy shit. Like, thank fuck. I put the tourniquets on cause God damn. But no, the Ukrainians did that. Cause my leg just started swelling and I don't, I have like, only a couple of, of like smallish entry wounds on my leg. And like, like, was that the fucking shrapnel that did that? But I'm, I'm fairly certain it was the blast that caused my leg to swell. Yeah. So like, if I, like, it's not as simple as oh, I'll put a tourniquet on wait, and then you're good to go. Like if, if I had been out there for longer, I would have lost my leg, not from the tourniquet, but from my leg swelling. Yep. So it's, it's like, there's so many like, God damn man, like, fucking yeah the respect for medics goes up fucking tenfold when you realize there's so many more issues and problems that they have to deal with and manage in the field um that you just don't even think about or know that can happen to you when you get injured oh, dude, even it's insane shit like trying to get iv access or something on someone who's swollen like that like you know just trying to give them fluids or iv drugs meds whatever like it, all that just becomes so fucking difficult instantly mm, it's yeah, it's just, it's, I'm glad I have that. I'm glad I have the exposure and I can live to like, uh, live to, I guess, review it in my mind. Cause it, it just, you know, it, it's like a, I always assume like, it's always, a, you have to come into like war with the, with the mindset of that you will inevitably get injured in some capacity, whether it's just some light, light shrapnel or like, you know, you know, death There's there's going to be something in between that you you cop eventually especially in a war with just idf everywhere like shrapnel flying in every damn direction i've come very close to to mortars and explosions and have had nothing like absolutely i haven't i hadn't taken a scratch in combat until this mission as well so it ended up it went from nothing to fucking almost being deleted by a fucking mortar yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's just, and it's all luck, man. Like they were lobbing mortars at us all night when we started Kazakh and Ukrainian all night. And it just took one mortar, one lucky round. And they would have been on the drone footage and just cheering on the other end when they saw us just all drop. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck. 
like fucking hell. And like, um, and about uh, your point about bullets before, like uh, I think I told you about one of our guys who got shot like in the, in the neck or trap area, he got shot by a PKM and I thought it was a through and through um, at the time, but it had gone through his trap or neck area on his left side, gone down into his back, taken a turn and it came out under um, below his armpit uh, just like uh, on his back on the outside. It's like, like point blank, basically like point blank, like or about like 10, 10, 15 meters from a PKM. I thought that shit would go through you like straight through and through, but not fucking straight in and fucking it had a field day just going through him. Yeah. So like, and he survived our, our medics. We dragged him to the center of the trench. Now medics, um, saved him, but like, like fucking hell, like bullets are just whack as shit, man. Let alone shrapnel. Oh mate, that's why, that's why you always need to check like, exit wounds like you guys did, because, uh, at the end of the day, bullets will follow the path of least resistance and, now you hear plenty of guys like like that. You get shot up in the trap, come out your armpit. You know you hear about guys getting shot in the like in the boob, and it come out their ass and all this shit. You're following down bones, and you're like, what the hell? Like, you know, I've heard about guys getting hit like in the knee and it following down their shin bone and out their heel, and you're like, what? Oh, um, yeah, like horrible <laughs> shit. That that actually happened on a, on a, an incident where you'll know the incident where someone was handing a HK up through, oh, yeah. through a hatch. And, and as far yeah. as I'm aware, that very similar instance to that, like, oh man, but shit, it's, um, yeah. Oh mate, it's, it's awesome to speak to you. Um, I've got a couple of questions just about more, not the incident, oh, yeah. about things like that. So I was taking some notes, um, while you're doing it. So you're talking about, you know, moving up to those forward positions where the Ukrainians are in that, like, pepper potting between, you know, tree line to tree line to open ground through the village to like those most forward positions. Um, mm. and to sort of lay it for people, the front line of Ukraine is multi-layered. You've got the, you know, the zero line, which is you're the last guys before the Russians, but then the front line is very wide because of the artillery war, the layered defenses, but where you're talking about is up to that last line. How is the rotation of soldiers there? Because if you're talking about the danger of getting into those positions, coming in and out of them, out in the open ground, how is the rotation actually or going of that, of getting guys bullets, bombs, food, and rest? So uh, the way I've seen it is we, we've come in a lot of the time during um, a rotation from the Ukrainians that the Ukrainians do. And they'll, when they push up and do the rotations, they'll bring their own uh, supplies and ammunition with them as well. Uh, and then uh, they'll do their hoto with the guys and then the guys in position will then leave. So the Ukrainians coming in to do the relief will bring uh, the, like from all the ice and they'll carry like the, these like white sandbags with all the, all this like ammunition, water, um, food and everything. And, and then they'll push forward with that and, and get it in there themselves. Um, how they go about, the dudes on that zero line needing resupply. I'm not sure. I'm sure they'll have runners anyway, but these positions have like a f metric fuck ton of like munitions anyway for them to fucking, um, to use same with launches, grenades, bullets, like all that shit. And every position we've gone to has always had like water and food there as well. And they're always like, the Ukrainians are always like welcoming to us, like drink, have something to eat. So it's always like, it's always 
it's always nice. And we, we bring like, you know, uh, a little bit of food and a little bit of, you know, a few liters of water with us, you know, cause we have to, we want to sustain ourselves as well. But, um, like every time pretty much like there's always something there to eat and drink in terms of like, um, like a sustainability. Are you lucky that you guys got hit at night as far as, you know, you hear that the, the freedom of, uh, movement for vehicles is greatly limited in the daytime, as well as the effectiveness of the amount of drones they can put in the air. With you getting a fairly fast turnaround of medevac, did nighttime have a have a play a role in that? That they could actually come in and get you? Like I'm guessing, if that was the middle of the day where you guys got hit, you'd have more drones on you, more observation on you, and those vehicles may not come in. Is that part of the case? If if it was during the day, we probably wouldn't have made it out. Because if we were in the village, we would have had to wait the whole next day because I think daylight wasn't far off. And yeah, like the drones and observation is just, they're just everywhere. Drones are everywhere during the day. We wouldn't have been able to move. I'm, I'm confident that if we were hit in that same spot during the day, we wouldn't have been moving out there during the day anyway, if, if we, if it was. But if for whatever reason we did, we're moving out that way during the day and we did get hit. I am confident that they would have sent the Humvees forward anyway, but it would have been, a, it would have been way more fucked to to get us out. But the fact that it was night time made it, you know, a lot easier um, for them to push us forward because there was there was only one there was only one drone watching us, um, and I think like they've never in our AO they've never used thermal drones. I think before that, to my knowledge, but because of the the whole Russian push that's happening. I think they're just, they have, they're bringing in units into the area. They have these capabilities or they're getting equipment to help with, uh, help them with these, their attacks as well. Um, we, we think uh, it might've even been like Spetsnaz or some special forces in the rear with the mortars, with the drone. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's common. Like they have all that Gucci gear, like the thermal drones and everything. And I wouldn't be surprised if they'll just hang into the rear and help in helping guide, the, the mortars on because that drone was fucking aggressive. I tell you that, that motherfucker came roaring in. He didn't give a single fuck. He's like, I see you pricks. I got a fucking gay. <laughs> so I was like, Oh fuck. And, and they had a little blue light on it as well. I remember seeing it for the first time. Like that's not Ukrainian. That's ah, shit. <laughs> well, we do know that, that wherever Russia's having a big bush like that, they will free up better soldiers from somewhere and move them down. And they, of course they will have better equipment, better training, um, and we know that down around that Avdivka area at the moment, the Russia are moving more of their elite type units down there to reinforce the forces that are there. Um, so it wouldn't surprise us at all if that's what we've seen. Yeah. So that, that's our running theory. We can't confirm it, but we think we've had a few uh, reports of satellite sat phone pings in the area. And to our knowledge, it's it's the like Russian SF that use those as well. So yeah. we're fairly confident it was most likely one of those fucking high speed units, man. So, um, yeah, it's like it, there wasn't really any threat of them coming forward themselves and doing it, but they were just doing their own what they do best and use all the assets they can as effectively as they can as well. And I mean, they they got us, so you know, props to them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess if you can put yourself out of harm's way and you know do it from a distance, that's mission. Yeah, mission achieved. Now you you mentioned in this um, that you guys could see a BMP firing. Uh, is there a reason that that wasn't engaged with an like an AT sort of weapon? Um, it was either it was either BMP or BTR. I don't know which one. I, I could just tell it was a thirty mil. So it was either like a 
like anywhere from a BDR eighty alpha upwards or a BMP two. Oh, but sorry, so um, you, it was you had the rounds, but you couldn't physically see the vehicle. No, no, it was it was the only signature I got from the vehicle was where it was firing from, and I'm pretty sure under NVG we could see its little IR light yeah. um on, but it was it was like almost a kilometer away down the road. So um hitting him with like conventional AT weapons, um it, it, you're just gonna be harassing it um at best. You weren't gonna get any like hits with it, especially probably not with an like an RPG or fucking anything like that. Like a, a javelin you would, but I mean like I don't think we there was any javelins in in the uh with the Ukrainians at that point as well. That's like a that's an important asset they have uh like they keep close to them as well and they want to you know, make sure they use them um, correctly as well. So they're not going to be javelins aren't everywhere all the time, especially with our brigade as well. So, but yeah, like that thing was, uh, we could see see where it was coming from, but I couldn't, you know, physically see or make out the vehicle as well. Hmm. Um, as well, we had a MOD report come through, uh, British MOD, talking about that Russians aren't working in any larger really than platoon size elements. Can you speak to that at all? Like, is there more, uh, control command and control happening of larger attack sizes or does it tend to be that platoon minus size? So the attacks, the, that night, like the Russians were pushing up in like section size teams, right? They were, that's how they were pushing forward at least. Um, but in more recent days since then, um, like the, the only sort of two attacks I've, I've, you know, I guess witnessed or like, you know, heard about are like those, those section size elements assaulting or literal human fucking waves, like pushing forward. And that's what's happened uh, more recently as well. And that same AO is Russian still mounting attacks. Um, and they, in fact, before attacking that village again, a few weeks ago, they hit, all the comm stations in the village, knocking out commun UK communications for a bit, and then just hit the village, not with vehicles this time, but with just uh, copious amounts of fucking uh, infantry to try and take the take the village. And that was like to hear that they they planned and hit these comm centers um, beforehand. I was like, holy shit! Like, like to me at least, that's like a a bit of a it, like I was a surprise a little bit. Like I haven't heard them doing that in our AO um, since we got there. So I was like, holy shit, they're like, you know, they've, they've planned this and actually, you know, had a bit of success um, in their execution uh, to some extent. So I was like, holy, like, damn. So it might be um, their command and control might be improving um, in that sense, but that might be due to just like other, other units being brought in who have that um, higher command and control from higher that can, you know, execute those plans successfully so um i guess i guess it just largely depends on the units you do come up against i think like a lot of the ones we deal with um like it, i haven't really experienced that level of a uh, high level of command and control much but when they first started pushing um they have divka again uh in those few days like they were pushing with like so many goddamn vehicles, but at the same time, those vehicles are just getting hit by artillery and 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 uh, AT weapons as well. So they the vehicles weren't really doing they weren't really that effective at doing that either as well. But I think that can also come down to you know experience from the soldiers and also they're scared shitless too. So that also um, 
that also is going to play into how well they do. Like you can, like the fucking officers and shit can plan shit as well as they can. But I mean, it's up to the soldiers on the ground to actually execute it correctly, I guess. Yeah, you mentioned something there that, that it does seem in some areas, some AOs you look at, that the Russians are fighting more competently um, in some areas. And, and that's what we expect. You know, it's two years into the war. Um, you know, it's not only the Ukrainians that are gaining, that are gaining experience from this. So, so are the Russians. Um, you know, very, very slow to adapt to some things, but there is experience being gained there. And it does seem like some of the movements being made from an outsider looking in that there is you know, some hard lessons learnt and that there is some more competence of command happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're like, even if it is like, like a little bit slower than I thought it would, like they are learning and they're, they're going to like, as long as this war keeps going, I imagine they're going to continue to learn um, as well and adapt as well. Cause like, and one of the th- big notable ones is how they use drones and like, you know, they're eventually going to get better equipment, probably, uh, their EW as well is probably going to increase, like capabilities probably going to increase. And they're just going to, like the Ukrainians have, like they've taken, you know, commercial drones and use them in a war now. And, and it's like just small things like that have a massive impact. And Russia's, Russia's doing exactly the same thing. And, and they're like the Ukrainians, they're always evolving their drone warfare and the Russians are doing exactly the same. So it's going to be like that on all aspects of, of uh, fighting, whether it's, like whether it's the way they utilize command and control or way to way they utilize drones. But if there's one thing I can see not changing is just their human wave tactic. They seem uh, pretty, pretty happy in doing that. Yeah. Well, that's been, that's been a tactic of, of Russia back through the Soviet times too. We saw, we, we see just that, you know, a use of huge numbers of, of young men. Yeah. And uh, they've they've got the numbers to do it, so until they run out, which I don't think they ever will, they're probably just going to keep doing it. It's fucking wild, man. And have you noticed that there's any like ammo shortages on the front line, or hearing anything? Because we've we've been hearing in the media the last couple of days um, that there is huge ammo shortages around that Avdivka area, uh, and that is one of the main things like really hindering Ukraine currently. Not only the ammo shortage of stuff coming into the country, but also just getting it to that because the supply line's open to get it to the guys that need it. Have you heard anything about this? I haven't heard of anything about that. No, it wouldn't surprise me, but I haven't, uh, I don't remember hearing anything about it um, around Abdivka um, recently. No. Yeah. No, I haven't, haven't, I can't recall anything. Yeah. uh, I'd love to get sort of some firsthand shit off guys, man, um, who have more of an idea than bloody looking at fucking Willie's YouTube channel. Um, but between last time we spoke and now, is there any, and I'm not meaning when you got bloody blown up, but is there any other bits and pieces in that you'd like to tell us about? Uh, before, uh, between between getting blown up and now? Uh, no, 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 sorry. Uh, between last time we spoke, um, like interview, oh. uh, and, and that uh, getting blown up phase, um, is there anything in that you'd like to speak about? Fuck. I don't know. It was a fucking while ago too. Yeah. Like uh, I've done, I've done a few ops. I've done a few ops since. Have I? Maybe I think I've done a few ops since then. Fuck, it's it's been a while. Um. Shit, I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's. If I'm just going to be repeating myself or not. Like the the boy the boys have been like like all the boys back at the unit have been working hard and fighting hard as well. So, um, 
uh, oh, Russia, uh, Russia's been using a uh, like chlorine gas now as well, uh, and that but that was after I got hit. So that's you know that's now a fucking threat in our AO, which really really sucks. Um, so that's something else we're going to have to deal with. Um, so it's you know I've heard reports of it them using like uh, chemical agents, like deadly ones, but um, I haven't you know now to get the first hand experience from like my boys who have been hit by that. It's like, like Jesus, bloody Christ. Like, this is something else we have to worry about now. Yeah. It's fucking insane, isn't it? And your boys are going up against, uh, against gas like that. Yeah. Yeah. They had, um, a few weeks ago, but, um, none of them, none of them got uh, killed from it or anything like that. Thankfully, a couple of, uh, a couple of injuries from it, but no, no, no death or near death from it. Thankfully. Um, so, which is really, really lucky. Fuck man. And how has your opinion shifted on this conflict at all over the last couple of months or, you know, the couple of weeks you've been injured? No, I've, I've still, I'm still um, feeling the same uh, about the whole war. Like it's just, it's, 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 it's very tough for both sides and it's probably going to be a lot of uh, give and take for, for quite a while. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to what it would take from either side to, to push it largely in their favor. I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure if there's really ever going to be an offensive like there was last, was it last year? I think it was the Harkiv offensive. Yeah, late last year. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if, like, some, I think something major is going to have to uh, happen for Ukraine to allow them to to do it, do something like to that effectiveness um, again. Maybe, like, maybe the getting the uh, fighter jets might be something that, turns the tide into ukraine's favor in that capacity again but i just i just don't know same same with russia i'm not sure what it's going to take for them to have like a massive win on a scale like that either so mm. it's interesting to to see what it will take for both sides to have like a massive win i suppose on that scale yeah and, and looking you know because i look at this full time like you do and talk to guys in my opinion neither side either currently possess or with future acquisition will have the equipment or men to achieve their, what they see as their goal. That's just my, might be a pessimistic opinion, but is I'm like, look, the Russia's industry is very large. They've got a lot of people, but they lack in a lot of outside support, whatever. So I can't see you sweeping through to Kiev, Lviv. That's to, in my opinion, just not going to happen. But in the same breath, I'll say that, Yes, there is support to Ukraine. There's been a lot of support. We've seen that support really getting hindered by the EU and by the US currently, you know, into 2024 now that we won't see anything more signed off. So, you know, that support, it's not that it's drying up, but there's more pushback on it. And yeah. the equipment going in, it's like, yeah, there's some older, you know, F-16s in, uh, in tens of numbers, not in hundreds. And it's like, yeah, like, like, there's no game changing stuff coming in that I'm, I have a pessimistic view on what actually where the front line's going to move. And I believe unless there's some total collapse of either side, which could happen, um, it's just going to be a grind back and forward at the expense of thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands, uh, more lives. And, and I've spoken that no one walks out of this without a million men being killed overall, that no yeah. he's going to give this up, um, like no one's going to put their hands up and go, we're done. Ukraine's surely, sure as hell, not going to do that, nor should they do that. Um, and neither is Russia because well, Putin and his, his dudes, they're not on the front line fighting. They don't give a shit. 
um, mm. that it's sort of like you said, look, where does this go? It's like, it's, it's difficult. We're not going to see these sweeping operations because everyone's just dug in. Ukraine's digging in, Russia's digging in. The lines are going to get better. They learn each other better. It's like, oh shit, this is, this is hard, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How is like the it's, it's change? Oh, sorry, you go. Oh, I was going to say, it's very important that Ukraine doesn't, um, even though like support, uh, from like the West may be a little bit like, uh, more, it's like, a, it's more can, I guess, contested, um, than it was, you know, earlier on, but it's important for Ukraine, despite that to not stop fighting as just as hard, because if, if Russia can see that like parts of the front, um, uh, on the Ukrainian side of faltering because of lack of equipment and like lack of like all the fire, then just they're going to use that as an advantage and just um, push even harder in that weak spot. So it's very important. I have no doubt the Ukrainians will fight just as hard, regardless of whether the West is there, like supporting them um, or not. Um, so like, yeah, I just, I just, I'm just hoping the boys hold out and keep, keep pushing Russia back as best as they possibly can because if russia can they'll just take the entirety of ukraine like yeah. if they could they'll just roll through so and that's like worst worst case scenario for these for these guys defending their country yeah well it's very obvious that russia is banking on the west's aid faltering like they are banking on and i think it was uh, Zelensky used the term weaponizing time um yeah, and banking on that happening, and and from everyone I've spoken to, whether it be someone who's involved in strategy or looks at the war, yeah, the biggest thing that Ukraine need to do right now is focus on building their own supply for this stuff. So you know the factories to supply bullets and bombs and some of that, they need to get that up and running as quickly as possible to supply the dudes on the front line from themselves. So if things do, you know, get a bit hindered in the in the western sphere that it doesn't affect the dudes on the front line as much um and you know time plays in favor of a lot of sides too that russia is sanctioned to shit yeah the sanctions aren't working as well as people would hope um but at the end of the day you know the longer it goes on the more strict they're going to become so it's a hard it's a hard thing out there man yeah and with uh like with the winter now coming but like it's it's not cold enough for the for the ground to freeze and the snow melts and I don't, you've probably seen the videos but like it is just shit for the soldiers on the front right now um too and the uh like rat infestations as well with spreading disease i've heard that like a lot of russians are are copying uh like a lot of illness from from uh the rats and the mice and i have no doubt the ukrainians are dealing with the same thing too there's this video i saw um this Ukrainian opened the back of his armored vehicle and a waterfall just gushed out. Um, like it, I was like, holy shit, dude. Like these guys are fucking being put through the fucking ringer again, having to go through another winter, like fighting. It's just, it's just not, it's just probably like, in my opinion, the most demoralizing time of war is like fighting in the wet and the cold. Like it's probably the worst time to fight. Yeah. Oh, and they, ha and they do. So it's like, fuck rolling through a second time mate uh yep fuck boy boys are in it they'll fucking do they'll do well yeah yeah the boys will hunker in mate they'll fucking put it up um mate is there anything else we haven't spoken about or you'd like to mention or say or anything um about yourself or your experience or anything before we before we sign off um oh geez 
I don't know, like, um, I guess, like, if I can help anyone who's been, like, injured from this conflict or even in, uh, like, you know, past conflicts, like, you know, of recent, like, um, just happy, just be happy that you're alive and, uh, you know, be happy that, you know, if you still have all your limbs, be happy about that. But if you don't, um, be happy with the ones you got still, like, just be grateful that you're still here living and breathing and that you have mates and family who are going to support and love you through your struggle anyway. And, and, you know, recovery is a long process, but you know, we all get, we all make it in the end. So you just gotta, you just gotta look forward to, if you can getting back into it and getting back to doing what you want to do best and that, and, and love doing for me, that's <laughs> fucking getting shot at and fucking blown up. So Oh, it's a it's a it's a great message, man. I think that goes out to anyone, even if they haven't been wounded, that you've always got your mates and your family and everyone there. Um, no matter where you are in the world, that's the most important thing for you. And it can be a difficult time of year for people with shit like that too. Um so mate, look, thank you very much for um for speaking to me. I know this was last minute that bloody you and I last couple of nights, you I think you passed out on morphine one night, I passed out of eating apple crumble another night and fucking <laughs> oh, shit we do this right there in the beginning of this all yawning and trying to stay awake but um <laughs> mate I, um, I know you're you're going to spend in um christmas in a, in a hospital bed but um buddy I, th- I think some people have some pudding for you mate oh mate oh, i love a bit of christmas pudding, bro you fucking oh god damn no, I'm, here, I'm here with mates and like one other um who was injured in that same blast as well so mate we just love talking shit about almost getting blown up and we have a good laugh about it it's honestly like it's honestly the it some of the best medicine for like this sort of shit just like talking about it and laughing about it man it's it's the best best kind of best kind of shit to to help deal with it all Oh mate, that 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 is like laughing, talking shit, taking the piss out of each other. It, it it is the best medicine for acceptance of something like that as well. Of like, hey, this happened to fucking whatever. Um, you know, it it it's fantastic, dude. Yeah, so it's it's yeah, it's just a good feeling just to yeah, just to be able to chill and and it's it sucks being away from the boys at the front um and everything, but at least I'm here with other blokes from chosen company, so. Like we've all fought together and and like been through the shit together, so it's yeah, it's just it's just a nice nice breath of fresh air as well. Not sort of having to like be at a constant like level of stress, being you know on the on camp, like potentially being caught out for like a QRF or something like that. So it is a nice little break as well. Like I've I've done, I think I've done quite a bit um, in country. Like I've done. I've done a good amount of missions that's left me satisfied enough to take, you know, have this bit of a break, even though the break wasn't, you know, uh, my choice right now, uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still happy that, you know, I'm sort of just relaxing. Although I would love to go back and fight. It's also at the same time. Like I just get to chill for a bit and, and watch all my fucking, you know, GoPro footage and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. I was actually going to ask that. Did you get, did you get it on GoPro? No, unfortunately I didn't. Like I had my GoPro packed away. It was that night. So I had MVGs on. So, um, I didn't have it uh, attached to my helmet, but it would have been fucking awesome to have recorded. Even if it was like pitch black, just hearing everything just it would have been insane just to watch over again. I wish, I wish it was recorded. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> fucking. Well, to be honest, some Russian somewhere has got it recorded. 
Bro, I've I've been we've been searching the telegrams. I want to I want to see that goddamn drone footage of it. I want to see the mortar hit and us just all drop. I want to see that. It has to be there somewhere. And if it if it is somewhere, it'll over in time. It'll be posted online, and I'll be like, oh, 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 that's me, that's me. <laughs> I want to see it so bad, and we're all like, fucking, where's that footage, man? <laughs> uh, dude, that's gonna be surreal. That's gonna be surreal. Being like, that's that's me on this thermal, and that's my blood coming out of me. That that's gonna be fucking. <laughs> that's gonna be the opening to the podcast for to a podcast down the line somewhere. Oh fucking oath, man! Oh, I can't. I hope there's footage of it because, goddamn, I just want to see it. Oh, I want to see it so bad. Okay. Eventually, eventually, see it. I'll probably forget about it one day and then be seeing Telegram like that. Looks eerily familiar. Eerily familiar. Fifty years time, we're probably going <laughs> to be able to go and catch up with with the dude who fucking dropped a grenade on you. Like who dropped the what's <laughs> on you? Yeah, fuck. <laughs> this is Igor and Ivan, and they blew me up. <laughs> bloody bastards uh, <laughs> well dude look you get some rest i don't know if i'd call it a break that you're having at the moment but um buddy from all of us you know merry christmas happy new year and um we'll, we'll speak to you in the next year brother yeah merry christmas man and i uh, enjoy uh, enjoy your holiday suit i hope you're taking some time off not uh bloody not going to back to israel again sometime soon you need so you need to you need to have a good holiday, mate. Uh, I might come and chill out with you, mate. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, well, I wouldn't say no to that, mate. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you how well my legs work. I can look at this. <laughs> well, I see that every day here. I'm just like, bloody pricks. Uh, fuck you. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> um, so do you have you have a good one, man. If you haven't need anything, reach out. And I'm sure um, if there's something you need a source, um, we, we'll be able to do something over here as well. Yeah, please, man. Absolutely. I'll, I'll let you know when um when I'm starting the process to go back home. So catch up with you and uh, Maddie as well. Oh yeah. And fucking yeah. like, Sid, if he's still in country. Yeah, dude. Yeah, we're going to get all the boys together. Oh, fuck yeah. We're going we to have a round table podcast with all the, like all the boys. Oh. It's going to be, it's that thing is that I don't know. We're going to be able to post it because it will get banned instantly. <laughs> but, uh, but it'll, fucking be, hell. it'll be fun. That, that I'm looking forward to. That would be awesome to do, man. That'd be fucking, that'd be, fucking sick yeah no nah, that'd be fucking awesome well dude i'm gonna i'll let you go but you look after yourself dude and um keep in touch always mate take care dude i'll fucking i'll chat to you soon man easy okay thanks dude i'll see you soon okay. see you brother